0: Welcome, my good friend. Jason Schramm
1: see if I can get this unlocked. There we go. All right, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> I don't know how I'm supposed to come do this now after that. There was a little emotional there. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for embracing our family in the, the years that we have been here. Um, been awesome, so thank you. Um, as he said, a lot of times you'll see me back there with the guitar. Uh, it's a little different stepping up here to the front of the stage, right? My my fellow guitar players will know that. Even though the guitar is kind of a small thing, like I feel naked without it standing up here. Uh, usually got the guitar, usually got the microphone in my face, and so now there's nothing. So, and you guys are all really scary. So, <clears throat> but we'll we'll get through this. All right, so who here has ever used the website snopes.com s-n-o-p-e-s a bunch of you what do you use it for Who can tell me facts that's right finding the truth right you go to snopes.com to find the truth they have all kinds of reporters that work for them that go and they find the urban legends and the the myths and the fake news that are out there and they try to tell you if it's true or if it's false so if you want to know Did the Quaker Oats Company in the 1950s feed radioactive cereal to young children? (laughs) They did, actually. (laughs) You can go read about it, it's weird. Um, Is Kristen Bell the most tattooed actress in Hollywood? Nah, she's not, that's fake. Um, Anyway, (laughs) those sorts of things are what they investigate. And it's kind of fun to go and to see what they do and to debunk the lies that are out there in the world. Right? Debunk is kind of a fun word. It tends to pop up a lot as we get into election cycles. You'll probably see that word used a lot more in the next year and a half. And really the word debunk means to expose the falseness of an idea, all right? So it's easy to go out and find out did President Trump or President Biden or whoever say that thing or, or, or what did they mean? But what about the lies that affect us personally, all right? Lies that are told to us by the world, by the evil one, by the devil, or even the lies that are just in our own heads that we come up with to tell ourselves. You are not good enough. Nobody loves you. Those things you did, oh man, they are too bad. God cannot forgive you for that. You, You can't expect God to keep forgiving you again and again and again for that thing that you just keep on doing. He doesn't want you in his family anymore. Those are the really dangerous lies the ones that affect our lives, the ones that affect our souls. Unfortunately, Snopes.com is not going to help you with those lies. But you know what will? Bible.com, right? So when I say Bible.com, I mean your your 1950s leather-bound King James. I mean your children's Bible you got in children's church at Sunday school. I mean your phone. I mean your iPad. Whatever you have. Bible.com and I checked and I made sure Bible.com is actually a thing it's actually a legit website where you can go and you can download the you version Bible app that that I use on here as well so um, so I want to talk today about how we debunk the lies of the devil with something better than Snopes.com. that's Bible.com all right so if you've been reading along with us in the 260 plan you know we're still kind of in the early part of the Gospel of John And the chapters this week, boy, they were full of red letters, right? They were full of the words of Jesus, the words of God talking directly to us. And there are all kinds of great stories in these chapters this week. Um, But today I wanna focus on a, on a, a chapter and a section in the chapter that you probably haven't really focused on before. And so for context, though we don't know exactly when in Jesus's ministry these events occurred, uh, they're in the middle of the Gospel of John, and so they're probably somewhere in the middle of his three years of preaching on earth. But we do know that he's in Jerusalem, because in this chapter it talks about him going to the Mount of Olives, and then we know for this particular section that he's in the temple. Now John 8, that we're going to talk about today, it's got a lot of famous stories that you're probably familiar with. It's got the woman who is caught in adultery. It's got Jesus telling the people, I am the light of the world. And it's even got the famous quote that says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's all in John 8. But today I wanna look at this section that we probably tend to gloss over a little bit as we read. And it's probably because it's not like this really fun and uplifting section, or maybe because we read it and we think it it doesn't really apply to us. But I think it absolutely applies to all of us today. And I wanna try to help you kind of pull out of this section what is applicable to you, and how to use it in your life today. So let's read this first, and then we'll dig into it. This is John 8, verses 42 to 47. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me, because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me, for you are the children of your father, the devil, And you love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Oof. It's a bit heavy, right? He is telling the people that their father is the devil, that they don't believe him, that they don't belong to God. Now, I know in the past when I've read this section, I key in on the part that says the devil is a liar and the father of lies, and I think, yeah, that's right. That devil, he's a bad guy, right? We need to stay away from him. But what I either ignored or I didn't like to acknowledge was the part just before that where Jesus told the people that this father of lies was their father. Ouch. But he's not my father, right? I hope. Well, let's just look a little further back in this chapter, and we'll, we'll see what John says about the people that Jesus was talking to Now, back when John wrote this, it it wasn't a book in the Bible, right? It was a letter. And it didn't have the chapters and the headings and the things that we see in our Bibles today. Those were all added later on by the the committees that did the particular translations. But the headings that are in your version of the Bible can help you find things and understand the context a little bit of of what they're trying to tell you. So if we look back, a little further back, just before verse 21, this is in the NLT translation, we see a kind of hub a subheading and it says the unbelieving people warned and then it goes on to talk about some stuff so we can think okay maybe he's talking to unbelievers here in between verses 21 and 30 which we didn't read but Jesus explains how he is who he claims to be and he uses the famous phrase I am to describe himself using the name of God the people didn't believe him they didn't understand and he tells them that once you've lifted me up on the cross, then you'll understand. And so we can think, okay, he's talking to people who don't understand and don't believe in him. All right. But then we get to verse 31, which is directly before the section that I read earlier with that warning. And Jesus turns from those unbelievers that he's talking to, the unbelieving people that, that were warned, and he talks to another group of people. And if we read in John eight thirty-one, here's what it says. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Uh-oh. That means that the section we read about the father being or the devil being the, their father, that was directed at people that believed in Jesus. So wait a minute. These people made a decision to follow Jesus. They put their faith in him and Jesus is telling them that God is not their father? What is going on here? Well, thankfully, I believe that it is not all doom and gloom. John does not leave us hanging with just this warning and no way to get to right. We'll see based on the words of Jesus himself that John was inspired to record. We have not only the warning, but we also can find several ways that Jesus himself tells us in his words Of how to get back to god so that's good news now before we all take away the point that we are all failing in our relationship with god here i want to think about it from a from a viewpoint of spiritual maturity we are all at different places in our faith journey right some people put their faith in jesus 50 years ago maybe some just this week and some have not yet done that these people that he was speaking to at the time they had best case, maybe a year, that they could have even believed in Jesus at this point because we know he's somewhere in the middle of his three years of ministry. And so, at most, they could have even heard about him for, for a year or so. And it's quite probable that a good portion of this audience only heard the word maybe this this week when he was in Jerusalem or even that day and then became believers. So chances are that that this warning that Jesus gave um was probably to some pretty new Christians and they had a lot of learning to do, but just the same as all of us uh, who might be new Christians have to do. Now, Pastor Tim, he's taught on many Sundays about how putting your faith in Jesus, that's just the first step, right? And it is a lifelong continuing to learn and to grow to get to where God wants you to be. So it's possible today's points and Jesus' words are focused towards new believers, but. None of us should immediately say, ah, it doesn't apply to me, right? I've been a Christian since I was eight, so it doesn't doesn't matter. Ooh, that's dangerous thinking. It is way too easy when we start thinking that way to start to slip and to start to drift away. You see, the, the depth of our relationship with Jesus is not dependent on how long we have believed in him. It's about how deep we have grown those roots in Jesus, right? So whether we're new or whether we're an old believer, we still have a long ways to go. And so I think these words are very applicable to all Christians, either as direction on how to act for those who don't really know it yet, or as a reminder for those who do and don't want to drift away. All right, so with that, I'm going to get into three points that I want to take from this particular uh, dire warning that came from Jesus today, things that will help us, help point us in the right direction of where we need to go. right, point one is found in verse 42. It's the very beginning verse of what we read. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. So here we see Jesus pointing out that the people didn't love him because God was not their father. So if we turn that around, we find point one. Point one is believe that God is, is your father, right? So let's think about that for a minute. What does it mean that God is our father? There are all kinds of verses, I don't even count how many hundreds, thousands of verses in the Bible about God being a father and being our father. So I pulled together just a few things from from some different parts of the Bible to highlight some of those key ideas of how God is our father. And rather than flashing up six different verses up there on, on slides, I just kind of mashed them together onto one slide i'll be happy to give you the addresses for all of these verses after if you want them but uh, let's look at these descriptions of how god acts like a father right, so in psalms it says the lord is like a father to his children tender and compassionate in proverbs it says the lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights in hebrews remember that god is treating you as his children whoever heard of a child that's never disciplined by his father in psalms he's a father to the fatherless in james boy we just saying about this what good whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from god our father you could only be good and again in hebrews have you forgotten the encouraging words god spoke to you as his children So You can leave this slide up for for a couple minutes here. God the Father, he is tender and compassionate. He is not a mean God who is just waiting to smite you when you mess up. But that doesn't mean that he won't correct you, as any father would correct to the kids that he loves, right? Now, can you and I be tender and compassionate as we discipline? Sometimes, sometimes not. Sorry, guys. Sometimes it's hard to be tender and compassionate, right? But God can. God absolutely can. You see, I believe for discipline to really work, it has to have the purpose of rehabilitating, not just punishing, right? That's not how it works. It's got to be about correcting the behavior to keep that person safe from whatever they're doing, whatever wrong road they're going down but also bringing them back to be productive again, right? Simply crushing somebody, that that may keep them safe in that moment, all right? I won't go on the road because you just punched me in the face. I'm not gonna go on the road, all right? But that doesn't make that person want to follow you or, or love you or believe in you after that. So God desperately loves us, he does. So his discipline's always gonna be done in a loving way with the intention of bringing us back to him back into his arms. If we can remember that, hopefully it will lessen the sting just a little bit next time that correction happens. God's also a father to the fatherless, right? This means he searches out those that don't have a father, that don't have a family, and he adopts them into his family. Now this could literally mean someone here on earth who doesn't have a physical human father, but it also means anybody who is wandering who does not know God and does not know that God wants to be their father. He wants to gather everyone in his arms and make us all his children. We also see he gives good gifts, right? Sure, fathers on earth can give good gifts like Amazon gift cards and baseball gloves, right? But God gives his children gifts that are even better. Gifts like hope, gifts like freedom and eternal life. He also speaks encouraging words as any good father should. And boy, we all need encouragement from time to time, right? Amen. Sometimes it sounds like, hey, Jason, it's on the calendar, July 2nd. You're preaching, right? That's the encouragement I needed to finally get me up here and do this. We've been talking about this for a while. And, uh, and so that's what I needed in that, in that uh, moment. And sometimes it's simply just the reminder that you are perfectly made and that God loves you and has a purpose for your life. All encouraging things. When I think back about a time in my life that, uh, that I started to drift a little bit and I needed some encouragement to believe in God, I think back to my sophomore year of college. Some of you know I went to Notre Dame, uh, which most know is a Catholic university. And I grew up Lutheran, um, accepted Jesus, believed in God from a, from a very young age. And my choice to Notre Dame didn't really have anything to do with, with uh, it being a Catholic university. It had a little more to do with football. Um, <clears throat> And, and I really didn't intend on participating in like the Catholic services and activities that were going on while I was there. And uh, as many do, I started to have a little too much fun when I was in college. Um, even, at, even at the conservative Catholic school like Notre Dame, alcohol is readily available. <laughs> and pretty soon it was more drinking and less going to class and things, uh, things were not going well. I actually lost my ROTC scholarship after my freshman year, I was in Air Force ROTC. And uh, and there was a risk that I was gonna have to leave the school and go somewhere else. And so as I came into my sophomore year, luckily, there was a core requirement that the school put on all students that you had to take a, a religion class and you had to take a philosophy class. And so for my religion class, I chose to take uh, a class that was a historical study of the Bible. And it, it was a fascinating class. Um, Looked at the things that, uh, to to the world, could be proven through other historical accepted sources, things that that were in the Bible that you could prove in other ways, and it, it was just it was fascinating. Like I said, learning all these things that are proved through other writings and other parts of history that are true, in the Bible. And I found myself drawing back closer to God again. I grew up in church, participated in all kinds of things. I had not yet started doing worship. Hadn't even picked up a guitar in my life yet, um, but it started bringing me back into God, and then one day, this professor, this Catholic professor at this university, he, he basically offered to lead a prayer for anybody who wanted to commit their life to God, and I prayed that prayer, and it was not the first time I prayed that prayer in my life, but uh, I, I knew God was calling me back, and I needed to change how I was living and so there was certainly correction there right I, I was I was being told you are not going the right way your grades are suffering things are not going well and I was just reminded that God my father was waiting excitedly for me to come back I, I had no idea at the time what that would mean but eventually it led to now over 20 years of leading worship in churches all around the world it led to this opportunity today and who knows what else in the future all right so yeah. so where else can we hear these kinds of words of encouragement right from from the bible bible.com right from our family from our friends from catholic professors at a college even from the holy spirit more on that in a minute next point's about hearing from god but we can hear encouraging words from all over the place so In order to believe that God is our father, we need to think of him as a compassionate parent who will lovingly correct us when we're wrong, who adopts orphans into his family, who gives us good gifts, and who speaks encouraging words to us. To think of him in any other way simply has us believing in the lies of the devil. Not believing he's our lovely fa- our loving father pulls us away from who he really is and leads us away from the truth, all right? Knowing God is your father, boy, that debunks many of those lies that you're going to hear from the world. All right, believe God is your father. Second point, this is from John eight forty-seven. He says, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. All right. So it seems pretty obvious, the first step of listening gladly is what? Just to listen, right? You gotta listen first. For any communication to be effective, it needs two parts, right? You need the message, the sender, and you need the receiver. Yeah. And both have to work in order for that message to get across, all right? I'm pretty sure God is an effective communicator. So if I'm not getting the message, whose fault is that? Yeah, it's probably, probably mine, I am not listening right okay i'm not hearing him the problem is me do you ever wonder why god doesn't just audibly speak to you tell you what to do right hey, jason go do this go talk to that person cool got it easy that is one of many questions that i have for god when i get there someday to ask why why you don't just tell me what to do right why couldn't i have like like this holy tablet stuck in my fridge and i walk out every morning and you just wrote on there here's what i need you to do today right? That that would make it uh that'd make it super easy oh wait you know what his answer would be to that question i think he would say yeah i already did that remember the holy tablets the mountain finger of god right yeah you guys didn't even listen to that either (laughs) and then and then my man moses went and broke them, right so (laughs) it didn't it doesn't didn't work anyway um so it's tough listening to god hearing from god is hard i think in this context hearing from god the actual listening uh of of, to god's word it can happen in church right can happen in this place or one of my favorite ways to do it is through worship music many worship songs contain lyrics that come directly from the bible right they are a great way to kind of feed those words directly into your heart we all know how catchy a good song can be right gets stuck in your head you sing it over and over even if you don't want to But when that song is words that are directly from Jesus that he spoke 2000 years ago, it's okay to get those stuck in your head, right? Those, Those are the good ones. For me, one of the greatest personal examples I have of the power of worship music is my kids, all right? I can't even explain how awesome it is to hear them belting out worship songs. They know a lot of other songs too. Right? There's a lot of songs in the world, and they're going to have to continue to fight against those ideas being stuck in their head. But because both Tara and I have embraced worship music, it's, it's almost the only thing I ever have on in the car. Um, my kids have hidden those words in their hearts. I know they have, and they may not know it yet. They may not have needed those words yet, but someday I am confident they will be in a situation, and the words to one of those songs will come back to them and it'll point them in the right direction, right? It will help them fight the things of this world. Sometimes you even get the, the bonus of listening to the word of God in a song, and it'll help you believe that God is your father, like the, the first point, right? In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That's right. So you can listen to a worship song, and it helps you believe that God is your father as well. And of course, reading the word, it's a great way to hear God, right? And if if you actually want to hear it, most of the apps got a button, you push the button and you'll hear somebody read it out loud. Um, You can also listen to the Holy Spirit and the prompts that the Holy Spirit gives in our lives. And that is worth an entire another sermon on how to listen to the Holy Spirit. But for now, we'll just leave it at that, that that's another way to hear from God. Now, according to the infallible Google, right? The word, the word listen appears in the Bible 331 times. And the majority of those are in some way talking about listening to God. So clearly what God wants to drive home the point that listening to him is important. In Luke 8, verse 18, this is from the Passion Translation, Luke writes, so pay careful attention to your heart's as you listen to my teaching. For to those who have open hearts, even more revelation will be given to them until it overflows. And for those who do not listen with open hearts, what little light they imagine themselves to have will be taken away. It's important to listen. And John himself writes in John 10, and you, most of you will know this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So if we know the voice of the shepherd, we will know who to trust and who to follow when those wolves come hunting to try to pick us off. But remember what Jesus actually said was listen gladly. All right? So what does that mean? I believe to listen gladly means to listen with anticipation that what he tells us will happen. If we believe that he is our loving father, like we talked about just a couple minutes ago, then we can believe that the things he tells us are for our good. And if God wants good things for us, oh my goodness, how could that not make us glad, right? So listening gladly is all about listening to the word with a hopeful anticipation, kind of like that child on Christmas morning, super excited about what they're about to open, right? We should read and listen to that Bible with that same excited anticipation that his word is true and we can trust that he will tell us the things that we need to hear at that point in our lives. To think any different is to invite doubt and to let those lies start to creep back in. All right. Finally, to, to close out point two, Matthew tells us what can happen when we do listen gladly. In Matthew 13, Jesus is talking about the parable of the farmer who's scattering the seed. And Matthew captures Jesus saying, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, 100 times as much as had been planted. So hearing and understanding God's word, not only will that point us towards God and away from the father of lies, but it can help others as well and it can grow and it can spread. So we kind of get a double bonus when we listen gladly. It's for us and it's for others. Okay, on to our final point for this morning. Now John 8, 31, this is back when we first found out that Jesus was actually speaking to believers when he gave him that warning. John writes, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. So point three, remain faithful to his teachings. This one's probably the easiest to understand, but it's probably the hardest to act out. Right? Yeah. Believing God is your father, listening to his word, it, it takes some effort, but boy, this one is where the rubber meets the road. What I think is really important in this point is the word remain, and it's not just in the point, it's in the verse, remain faithful to my teachings. He didn't just say, listen to what I tell you to do and do it once. He said we need to remain faithful. In the original Greek, the word for remain is mino, which means to stay or abide, to remain in him. Now John uses this word 34 times just in this gospel. In fact, it's the same word he uses in John 15 when he says, Remain in me and I also will remain in you. To me, Jesus emphasizing the remain, that gives us a sense that there may be some reason you, you don't want to, right? It implies that there needs to be effort right. to remain because something's either trying to push you away or, or you don't really want to remain. Why? Because it's hard. It is hard to remain faithful. The word remain also implies doing it more than once. It's not enough to simply be faithful to God's word one time, but you need to remain faithful again and again, even through the difficult times. Why? Those difficult times, those are the times when you know who will start to sneak in, start to get his hooks into you. Hard times are when you let that door to your heart crack open just a little bit, and the devil tries to slide in there and whisper those lies to you again. But boy, if you believe God is your good father and you've listened gladly to those words and you've stored them up into your heart, then you can remain faithful when those difficulties come knocking at your door. John himself, he comes back to this point again in one of his epistles. uh, In 1 John chapter 2, He says, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. So here we see that word remain, meno, again, not just once, but twice. If we remain faithful, God the Father and the Son will remain in fellowship with us. And finally, we hear this message reinforced from Paul in his second letter to Timothy, where he uses that same word again, 2 Timothy three fourteen, he says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. And as Jesus said, that truth will set you free. Yes. Now, as we're heading into this holiday weekend, it talks about freedom, right? Freedom of our country. Um, we can all certainly be grateful that we live in this amazing country that allows us to not only choose what to believe but uh, to choose to be able to worship the way that we do and how we live our lives but the freedom that Christ offers is so much more it is not only freedom while we're here struggling with all the temptations of this world but it is freedom from sin it's freedom from death it is freedom from the lies that try to pull us down that's Freedom we get when we remain faithful. So, to summarize what we've talked about, we started by reading how Jesus he pretty much called out a group of believers for not doing the things that they needed to do to keep them pointed towards God and away from the devil. And he was honestly he's pretty harsh about it, right? Your father is the devil. But sometimes the truth can be harsh when it needs to be in order to redirect us one way when we are going the wrong way. But it is done with love. Of course, he didn't just leave us hanging with that reprimand, he told us how to fix it. When we find ourselves either full on running down the wrong road, we've just started to drift a little bit. If we truly believe that God is our father, we listen to his word and we remain faithful even in the hard times, He promises that we will find ourselves right in the middle of his will. And we'll be kicking those lies of the devil to the curb as we walk in freedom and in truth. And so, as we finish up, as we close, I wanna do two final things. I wanna tell you first what those people that Jesus was talking to, what they did when they heard those words. And then I wanna ask what you're gonna do. So through the rest of John 8, These people kept debating with Jesus back and forth. God is our father. Abraham is our father. And Jesus kept giving them examples of why they were not. In the last verse of John 8, the people got so angry about Jesus calling them out. You know what they did? They all picked up stones and they tried to kill him. That's how mad they were. They actually tried to kill Jesus. God miraculously saved him. He was hidden from their sight. He slipped away. But the point remains that these believers were so mad about receiving correction, they literally tried to kill Jesus. So today, if you hear this message and you realize, maybe I don't believe God is my loving father. Maybe I don't listen gladly to his word. Maybe I haven't remained faithful to his teaching. What are you going to do? Are you going to reject that correction and stone him with your thoughts? Are you going to get mad at him? Refuse to believe that you need to change anything? Or Are you going to realize that we all, especially even including me, we need to do things better? Whether we believe for 50 years or 50 minutes, we all need to work to do things better. How can you do it? Maybe it's just re-energizing your 260 readings. Maybe you've fallen off of that. Maybe it's listening to more worship music to hide those words into your heart. Maybe it's truly accepting that God is your loving Father and that you realize you need to accept that correction and change whatever it is you know that needs to change. Because remember, he is doing it because he loves you so much and he only wants the best for you. So I challenge you to find one thing today that you can do to see God as your father or to listen to his word or to remain faithful. When you do that, you will snopes the devil's lies, right? You will uncover the truth that God loves you and he only wants the best for you. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for this word. I just pray that it would flow right into our hearts and it would help us find those things that we need to do better, Lord, but that we would receive that with love, with the understanding that you want what's best for us and you know we need to just go a little bit of a different way. And so, Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for being a good, good father to us. We pray your blessings on the rest of our day, the upcoming weeks. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um,
0: We just heard a really good word. And uh, I was taking a lot of notes. Um, One of the things I want to point out is, uh, Jason, are you a pastor? Jason's just a guy. Smart guy. Notre Dame grad. I think you also did some time at uh, the Air Force Academy. Is that right?
1: Nope. Didn't do Air Force Academy? No, no. ROTC at Notre Dame. ROTC no at Notre Dame. No. For some reason, I thought
0: you spent time Th-
1: there. That's Chris. He's the academy Ah,
0: grade. you're the academy. Okay. <laughs> Chris is the academy guy. That, okay. You're a smart guy. But you know what? I I think one of the things that I I want us to all take away too is, you know, we, we talk about 260, you know, which is just the way that we're reading through the New Testament together. And, you know, what Jason did today was very simply just pull right out from the text, like what we talk about. And if you have a 260 journal, you know, it's like insights and implications, what are the insights like when i when i read this passage like what do i really see and and just like highlighting and underlining and underscoring those things you know about god being our father and accepting believing believing in that will protect us from the lies you know and listening gladly to his word and then remaining faithful it's just all right there but to be brought out in and and we have a way Like every time we go to the word to receive something that's this good and this rich and this deep and impactful. So thank you for doing that. Uh, Thank you for illustrating what that can look like just in our everyday lives. And uh, even even if we're not serving full-time at a church yet, um, I I think that could be be in your future, but um, we'll see what God has post Space Force. Man, we love you. We're so thankful for you. And um, friends, what lies has the enemy been trying to layer over your life? That when you look at life, you see it through the filter of these lies. Maybe that God's not real. Maybe that faith would be a waste of time. Maybe that you're not enough. Maybe as you stated, that what you have done would like somehow disqualify you from God and that you really don't have a place with him? I believe that before we go today, God wants to set you free from those things. And it starts with that first point. Just trust in him. He's your father. He is the good, good father. He's not gonna let you down. He will be faithful to you. I'm going to invite our ministry team to come forward. And listen, before you go today, if there's been any area in which you have been struggling with a lie, I think this would be such a perfect opportunity to come and say, hey, you know what? I think that what I've been really living life with is is a lie. And I, I want God to help set me free just to break free from any lie of the enemy that he would want to layer over your life. And as we celebrate the 4th of July this week, we're going to celebrate with that freedom of knowing that we are free in him. Amen? We are free in him. And God is so good. I am glad you've been here. Jason, you guys are here in town for two more Sundays? Two more Sundays. Listen, if you want to write them a card if you want to say express something of thanks but especially if God puts something in your heart for them some prophetic word some encouragement you know would you write that out and would you bring that um over the next couple of weeks and we'll make sure that that gets right into their hands before they head off but man once again would you say thank you to the shrams love you guys so much thank you. i'm gonna miss you deeply <laughs> deeply. Hey, on your way out today, don't forget the ladies have a sign-up um, going on. Um, Tiana is running out to the courtyard, so she's there, because uh, uh, women are going bowling. That's coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then three Sundays, we've got our beach day, first one of the summer. It's going to be fantastic. And uh, you don't have to sign up for that, but just be aware. It's coming up, three Sundays from now on the 23rd. Love you guys. Have a beautiful 4th of July weekend. Be safe, be sane, and be free. Love you.